Hi friends, I wonder if you've ever been the object of jealousy. Has anybody ever been so envious of you that they've disliked you or even made you the object of their hate? I suppose every one of us go through such things to some degree. Children can go through some of the most intense sibling rivalries. Sadly, teenagers sometimes have to go through bullying. It's still a common thing for many young people. What can often start out at teasing at school can turn into really cruel bully bullying. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sure you've heard stories, just as I have, of how children have even been driven to suicide because of their treatment at school. Sometimes as adults we can go through the most intensive hostilities, maybe in work or in social environments. But maybe we should not be surprised that these things should happen, especially if we're Christians. Because as a matter of fact, Jesus himself said that if, that if they hated me, they will hate you also. The consequences of such hostility can be devastating. So what happens when your life totally falls apart because of the jealousy or the envy of others? What are the consequences of someone hating you or being jealous of you or just being downright cruel? I mean when, I mean when you're feeling rock bottom and you maybe get to a point where you feel the whole world is against you and it's just one thing after another, how should we respond? Well, all of these things and all of these emotions must have been felt, I believe, by a man who's going to figure a lot in the closing chapters of the book of Genesis, a man called Joseph. And what I want us to do today is to begin his story here in Genesis chapter 37. Now it's rather a lengthy story and the narrative of his life will drop in and out of the remaining chapter of chapters of Genesis. So today we're going to look at the beginnings of his story in Genesis chapter 37 where we'll see how the jealousy of others led to the most dramatic of situations. But the questions that we, we are going to ask is how did he handle it? Which will hopefully inform us how we should handle such things if they happen to us. So join with me in the Bible Project daily podcast as we today launch out on our study of the life of Joseph beginning in Genesis chapter 37 where we'll hopefully find the answer to some of those questions. Now let me remind you if you're here for the first time you're, firstly you're very welcome and maybe you were just searching for a study on the life of Joseph and it's brought you here. Well you're well into a series of daily studies which have been working our way through the whole Bible and beginning with the book of Genesis. So please feel free to go back to the beginning and join us on this amazing journey together. Also, if you're new, you may not be aware that a full transcript auto-generated, but fairly accurate usually, of what I've said is created and then put in the episode notes section of any audio version of the website, which is hosted on the address also in the episode notes on buzzsprout.com. But whatever platform you happen to be receiving it on your audio version, whether it be Amazon Prime, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
all these various podcast platforms. It doesn't matter. As long as it's an audio version, you can find the transcript within there. And friends, you're free to use it in whatever way you want. I've put it in the public domain without copyright. Copy it, use it, use it for your own personal Bible study or even perhaps as a resource for preparing material of your own. Do it with my blessing. Occasionally, people do like to give a credit to the podcast and that's always appreciated, but it's not necessary. It's there. I've put it out there for the service of anyone and for for, and for the Lord himself. So that's it for today. We're going to drop right in now to the main text and we'll go from there. I'll come back at the end and just update you on a few things, but bye for now. Hi friends, here we are in part one of what I think will be three daily studies looking at Genesis chapter 37 and I've given the overall title to this chapter and this early revelation of the story of Joseph. I've called it How to Handle Hatred and the question I've asked by way of introduction is, is I wonder if any of us have been the object of jealousy. I suppose we go through it to some degree, maybe some of us who had siblings had a bit of an, a rivalry with their brother or sister. I know I did when I was young and it got quite intense and there was a certain amount of jealousy on each other's parts at times. But maybe we should not be surprised that at times in our life we may face jealousy, envy, maybe even outright hostility and hatred because Jesus himself said that this could happen to us and he reminded us that if it happened to him, which it did, then it is very likely that it could happen to us. But we need to ask, what are the consequences of someone hating us or being jealous or cruel towards us? Well, the interesting thing in this story, we're going to see Joseph undergo just that sort of treatment. He's going to figure a lot in these closing chapters of the book. And we're going to look at the beginning of the story and how the jealousy of others, in this case his brothers, will lead to the most dramatic of situations but the things that I believe we can learn from it in this first chapter of 37 is we can look to see how he handles it and how should we handle such things if they uh, happen to us. So with that let's join with me as we begin our study in the life of Joseph beginning here in chapter 37 and we'll see if we can find some answers to those questions as we look at them together. So let me begin by picking up in Genesis chapter 37 verse 2, which tells us, This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha and his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Okay, let's just pause at the end of verse 2 for a second. Because if you've been through the whole journey with me, through the book of Genesis, episode by episode, you'll know the last time I spent a great deal of time talking about this little phrase that we see here opening this verse, where it says, this is the account of the family line, or this is the history of, depending on which uh, translation you're looking at. But the important thing is how often, how repeatedly this phrase appears in the book of Genesis. This is the 11th time it's appeared and as I explained last time, it's referring to what happens to the person named and even beyond that, what happens to the descendants of that person. Up to this point, we've been talking about Jacob 
And it's been talking about him all the way back to chapter 25, where he was introduced with such a phrase. And we've been following the ups and downs in the life of this character, Jacob. But now it's telling us that this is the history of Jacob, meaning, of course, that now going to do is he's now he wants to come and tell us what has become of his descendants. So in a sense, the rest of Genesis all the way to the end of this chapter, which will be chapter 50, will be about Jacob and his children. But in the main, the spotlight in these final chapters is going to fall on one of his sons named Joseph. He will fill the narrative of nearly 10 of the remaining 13 chapters in this book. But at this point, the passage opens up here and begins by telling us this is the history of Jacob. And then, of course, it immediately turns its attention to Joseph, one of his sons. So let's look at verse 2 again. Look at saying this is the history of Jacob. And it's telling us when Joseph is 17 years old and he's found feeding the flocks with his brothers. So immediately our attention is drawn to Joseph. Now, it mentions his brothers, all the offspring of J- Jacob, all the generations of coming onwards from Jacob. And you will remember that Jacob had several wives, not just one wife, and he has multiple children with those various wives. So what we're technically seeing here is Jacob's sons, but Jacob's brothers are brothers and half-brothers. And at this point, he's next to the youngest, being 17 years old. So he's a teenager in our modern expression and we are told that he brings a bad report of them, in other words his brothers, back to his father. So what's going on here friends? Joseph is one of the youngest children of this group of ten brothers and half-brothers and they're out together tending the flocks and herds and apparently some of them aren't behaving themselves properly. What they did we don't know and we have no way of knowing except we do know that it was bad enough for Joseph to go back and tell his father about it. He feels his father needs to know what his brothers are up to, so I think we can assume it must have been pretty serious. But I can't help but feel he's being a bit of a telltale. Maybe that's the way you feel by going back and telling his father, and I'm sure that's what his brothers felt as well. We'll maybe consider if that's a fair perspective to have in him as we progress. Anyway, the story continues, picking up the next couple of verses. It tells us, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. And when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and would not speak a kind word to him. Israel, now that's a new name for Jacob. Remember, his name was changed to Israel by the Lord a few chapters back. All right, Joseph is his father's favourite. Now, psychologists today would tell us, of course, that we're not supposed to have favourites when we have children. But here, this text clearly says Jacob, stroke Israel, had a favourite, and he was Joseph. And he gives him the present of a really ornate, expensive coat of many colours, which clearly demonstrates his favour towards him. Now, this coat, in a sense, would have been something more like what we today would call an overcoat. Don't think of it as just a jacket. At that time, coats came down at least to the waist, and some would even come down all the way to the ankles. 
Many colours indicate that it was a special type of garment and when he wore it, he definitely would have stood out and he would have stood out amongst the brothers, not only to them, but to anybody else. And all the other brothers would have known, of course, that Joseph had got one and they hadn't. So this was just further evidence for everyone to see that Joseph was indeed his father's favourite. Now verse 4 tells us the brothers saw that their father loved him, but more than that they hated him because of it, and they could not speak well of him. All right, a plot is beginning to develop here, isn't it? They realise he's the favourite and they hate him. And they hate is becoming so apparent that they're not able to speak peaceably to him or about him anymore. Have you ever been in a situation where people couldn't talk civilly to one another? Have you ever been in a situation where people could not relate civilly to you? Have you been in a situation maybe at work or in some other situation where bitterness and sarcasm is ruling the day well these are the noises that are coming out of his brother's mouths towards him there's a real tension in the relationship here and that's the picture that's been painted us joseph is now becoming the out and out object of their hatred plot thickens it tells us joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him all the more he said to them listen to this dream i had We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he said he had another dream and he told his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And now he tells them this dream. And of course, do you think that's going to make matters any better? Well, of course not. It makes matters worse, much worse. Can you imagine him telling his brothers who already hate him? Well, now they're going to hate him even more, aren't they? They hated him because he was his father's favourite. And now they hate him because of these these dreams that are that he's having. What are you telling us, they're thinking? What are you telling us, they say? Are you suggesting you're going to rule over us? Is that what you're doing by telling us about these dreams? Delusions of grandeur, people might call it today. That's how people would describe such a thing, I think, if they saw it today. So needless to say, his brothers are not happy campers. Then he tells them he dreams another dream, and this one is about the sun, moon and stars bowing down. But maybe, uh, you know, the question we have to ask, should he have kept these dreams to himself? In this dream, he says, the sun, the moon and the spars bowed down before me. Wow, he's not exactly being subtle, is he? Anyway, the narrative continues. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. All right, so they're all bowing down to him now, and all the heavenly bodies are bowing down to him as well. Now, interestingly, some approach this scripture and say the sun and the moon probably represent his mother and father in the stories, and the stars, of course, are representing his brothers. But anyway, this is a picture of everyone bowing down to him now. 
Now what I want to do is pick out of this passage for you several things and the several times it says they, hate, they hated him. They kept repeating and the level of the hatred seems to be growing and increasing. They hated him, it says in verse 4. They hated him even more, it says in verse 5. They hated him even more because of his dreams, it tells us in verse 8. And it says they hated him again in the close of the section because they're envious of him. So he is becoming the object of all this intense hatred. Now, I mentioned the beginning about the destructive power of jealousy, envy, and all those things. Well, it's swirling up here, isn't it? It's bubbling up here, and it's, it's spilling over into out-and-out hatred. So before we go on, I think we need to just step back a second and ask the question, what's really going on here? Is Joseph just an arrogant kid? Is he just a spoiled brat that's rubbing up his brothers the wrong way? At some level, you might be thinking, you know, it's understandable that the brothers felt that way about Joseph. But is, is that the case, or is there perhaps something else going on? Well, what I believe is, as we dig deeper and progress further into the book of Genesis, we will find out what happens to this guy and how he responds to what happens to him. So I'm suggesting to you that it's not just about arrogance. If we only had this point in the story to go on, I think we would have reasonably reached those conclusions. But we have, as we work through, a further insight of his character revealed. Now, little hints are there when it says that when he goes back to his father and gives the bad report, it uses this phrase reporting bad behavior to the father, which seems to me that is not personally in involved out of any animosity and is going back and, and telling his father about the situation. And that probably indicates that he was dealing with a rather unrighteous situation. So he's definitely not just gossiping about his brothers. It suggests to me that he's going back because he feels compelled to tell his father the truth about what's going on in this particular situation they're facing out in the fields. I don't think he's doing anything to try and ingratiate himself with his father. As a matter of fact, the text tells us that he was his father's favourite because Jacob chose him as that, because he was the son of his old age. It wasn't his fault that his father had made him a favourite. And these dreams, in a sense, they're not his fault either, are they? They're being given to him, the text would suggest, by God. I read this situation more to mean he's just, in a sense, naively relating, retelling what he's dreamed about. So while some commentators tend to criticise Joseph a bit in this, I take the position of those commentators who are more favourable towards him based on the fuller knowledge of his character as it will be revealed later in the book. I would say that this is just a young man of integrity and faith and he's guilty no more, no more than anything of naivety and immaturity. I think he becomes the object of this treatment by his brothers, and for me, he really doesn't deserve it. The text says they hated him because of the fact that his father loved him more than they felt they loved him, and they despised him because of his dreams. Neither of those things were really within his control. But one thing we'll find out later is those dreams indeed will turn out to be significant. Those dreams will become fulfilled, literally fulfilled later in his life when there's a famine in the land and the brothers are actually starving to death 
and he will be the one in the position to provide for food for all of them. So the sheaves bowing down before him at this point may seem strange, may seem arrogant, may seem him like him being in a position to dominate them or trying to master or enslave them, rather than the image in reality that it will be turned out to be of them bowing down, being thankful to him. Because it's later going to be fulfilled by them bowing down and thankfulness for the food he's giving them. And the dream of the sun and the moon and the stars are indicating of the power in the position he will hold in the future, which in reality that will happen. He's going to end up second in command in all of Egypt, only Pharaoh above him. So he will be in a position of authority when they feel the need, when they feel compelled to flee down to Egypt when the famine hits the land that they're in. And in that sense, of course, he will be over them. Though none of them, of course, recognize or understand any of this at this point. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll find out soon enough as we read the rest of the story. And we'll find out how this all pans out. But we'll do that in the next episode. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to remind you that you've access to this and other ways of connecting with me and my ministry through the, episode, the links on the episode note pages of any version, uh, audio version of the podcast. If you're watching on the video version, which I know a few of you do, there'd be a link through to the audio version on there. Including those links, there'll be links to places like the Facebook page, uh, my YouTube channel, also even a link to my Bandcamp SoundCamp page where I do the sound design for this and other projects, as well as my uh, Patreon website, where if you feel that like you'd like to connect and become a partner in this ministry to enable the main thing, which is the Bible Project Daily Podcast, to not only go on the internet for free, but Lord willing, stay on the internet for free long term, then you can do that through the Patreon page. And there's also coming soon links to lots of new exclusive teaching and material that I'm putting on there, including some discipleship courses, which I believe will help you develop the giftings that the Lord may have given you. And I also tend to put links to talks I do in either churches or secular environments as I do those from time to time. Another thing that's really helpful is that if you're valuing this teaching and the, this podcast, why not think, well, firstly, subscribe to it. That way you'll make sure you'll never miss an episode. But what's really helpful is if you like or share it or comment on it or review it on whatever platforms you happen to be accessing the teaching on because they tell me that will make this teaching much more available to lots of people out there on the digital environments that you happen to inhabit. But anyway, that's it for today. I really hope you've enjoyed our time together. I hope you've benefited in listening to it as much as I've benefited in preparing this message. But I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you for supporting me by listening to this. And thank you so much much if you're one of those people who prayerfully support this ministry. I really couldn't do it without you. It's an amazing journey that we're on together. The plan to work chapter by chapter, verse by verse, 
through the whole Bible over however long it takes. But that's it for today, friends. So I hope you'll join me right back here tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.